This is the Tabernacle Podcast with me, Ben Brown, uh, and with me today, Seth Bush, campus pastor of Manistee, and Benji Vermilia as our producer. What's up, guys? What's shaking? It's good to be here again. Uh, Benji, I'm now that I'm in the room with you, I'm very impressed by uh, all the things you're handling over there in the corner. Uh, yeah. Britton and John do really nothing compared to all this plates he's spinning over there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's always those Samwise Gamgees that are in the in the back, uh-huh. keeping things going uh, when the heavy lifting needs to happen. So, Benji, we're grateful for you and uh, for the truth bombs that you drop. And I'm always anxious to hear what is gonna what Benji's gonna add to the conversation later yeah. on. So, yeah, uh, yeah, today uh, John and Britton are. MIA, yep. uh, possibly AWOL, we're not sure. The the subtle truth uh, rumor, if you have it, will have it, uh, that uh, is starting to make its way around the Manistee campus, uh, source this guy, um, is that <laughs> we've uh, let the big guy go. We just haven't had a heart or figured out how to tell the church yet. So, uh, Brittany, uh, when you hear this, sorry, buddy, uh, we fired you again. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we're just going to stop paying you and just go talk to HR. Yeah. And we we just, we do, we prefer not to have confrontation. We're just going to let this all work itself out naturally. That's right. So That's right. Uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, yeah, John is at the FCA camp uh, in Spring Arbor. Uh, Britain is out everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's been to Tennessee. He's covering a lot of ground out preaching God's word. And uh, we're grateful those guys are able to do that. And so you get to deal with Seth and I today. And Benji will still hold down the fort and bring uh, logic, clarity, and truth to the conversation. Right on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, where we were looking to go today um, is this topic of what it is to be a pastor. Um, This is something that I've had to learn on the fly. Yeah. And... Uh, we just thought we might spend a little bit of time today because this is something, Seth, you and I have actually talked about a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, the the call of being a pastor, what that role really looks like, and even just our physical jobs at a church, having to figure out what to make priorities yeah. and what we have to let go of, yeah. uh, what we have to do to maintain our, our sanity, uh, our own spiritual health. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it just seemed good for us today to spend a little time talking about that. Because this is really important, uh, it's, you know, in our church, uh, you know, we talk to a lot of people that are considering maybe yeah. th- there might be a call for them to step into ministry at some point somewhere yeah. along their path. Uh, and I think it's really important for them to have an idea what they might be stepping into and uh, what they might have to prepare themselves for, what God is going to teach them along the way some of the tools they might need to pick up and some of the tools they've got that they might have to put down. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And that's a lot of what I've been learning. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, just break that down. And also, if you're part of a congregation, uh, maybe this will give you a little better understanding of uh, why pastors do some of the things that they do and why they might say no to certain things. Uh, And so hopefully this will be something that will bring unity, uh, uh, help some people with a possible life decision, uh, to have, to maybe cost the cost, count the cost of the tower before they go and build it Yeah, to quote scripture. So, uh, yeah. So Seth, 
you know, I'm really interested in actually hearing from you a little bit more about this because your early college career, you were in vet school. Yeah. You were in vet school. So then suddenly you're moving towards seminary and we may have covered this in like earlier podcasts, but I think just, I want to touch on that again. What was that change that suddenly, I mean, that's a pretty big change. Yeah. Yeah, because I had, uh, I felt like I had a really, I had a good plan for my life. Um, enjoy animals, uh, enjoy the people that own the animals uh, most of the time, uh, and uh, and just uh, had some great opportunities at a local vet clinic uh, growing up that allowed me behind the scenes, allowed me very hands-on work, dirty work, um, grunt work, uh, and it was awesome and had a good track. And my early growing up in terms of junior high, high school, those grades all reflected, hey, like this is this is doable. Uh, this is attainable. Um, and for whatever reason, um, as I transitioned to college and said, OK, like this is what I'm doing, like publicly set it with my major, with my with my drive and direction. Uh, all of a sudden, I can't pull anything above a C on a test. <laughs> and those C's were like. Oh my gosh, it happened. <laughs> uh, you know, most of the time, um, you know, 60% is going to way get you in the Hall of Fame in like any of the major sports. Right. Doesn't really get you there in the world of vet school. And I just couldn't pass a test to save my life. Studied more, failed more. Uh, went to groups, study groups, failed more. And it's like, yeah, there's probably something else here. Uh, okay. Okay. And so, yeah, for, for me, it was that shift of finally listening, you know, to even what uh, he, the writer of Hebrews talks about, that great cloud of witnesses, um, both from here, but also those folks that had gone before me in my own life that have been encouraging me, my uh, student pastor growing up, uh, uh, my, my grandma, um, Seth, like, you have a call. Like, Oh, wow. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't. So, yeah. And it was kind of that slow, um, that slow approach of God just kind of slowly opening my ears and my eyes to some pretty important people in my life. Okay. So you stepped into seminary. Yeah. And as you were going through that process, did you have a picture of what the future was going to look like for you? Did you have like, hey, I want to go do this? Or were you more living in the moment and just seeing where the wind was going to blow you. Yeah. I think for me, like my heart connected with students a ton. I loved working with students and, uh, and that was kind of my first, uh, probably decade, uh, 10, 12 years in ministry was working with students. This is my first, um, job where students haven't been a part of my job in some way. And, uh, and, and so, I'm one of those recovering youth pastors that's on <laughs> staff here. Um, but uh, but no, it, even though I knew that drive was there, like it was weird feeling being called a seminary, seeing that, but not really ever feeling a drive to be a lead pastor, to be a senior pastor um, of a church. And yet, like though in my the denomination I grew up in and that was ordained in, you didn't pursue that. Like, you know, got questions from ordination boards. Uh, why should we ordain a youth pastor? Um, and those were those were fun conversations of uh, what I believe the beauty students bring to our our campuses and our churches. Um, 
and some of those conversations went well and some of them didn't <laughs> and that's all right um but yeah that was kind of my intro into um okay god uh i'm trusting you because uh, my plan didn't work out but it, this is kind of a weird spot for me um so uh but it was so fun like i i think all of a sudden those same study groups that i did really poorly in in seminary where all of a sudden that brought um, theology and scriptures to life for me because it was, I went to seminary with um, people from a bunch of different backgrounds, a bunch of different beliefs, even about this thing right here. Um, And so it it made you sink your teeth into of why do I believe, what do I believe, and do I believe what I uh, profess to believe? So great, like, um, I don't remember tons of the Greek and Hebrew, but, uh, <laughs> and some of those things, but, um, I know how to use the tools, but like that community piece became so important for me. So uh, that was one of your big takeaways from seminary. It was actually what I'm hearing you say. It was somewhat of a formation of we're going to, we're going to establish and make sure what you believe is concrete in your own brain. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to have to wrestle with these things. Yeah. So, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, like one of the first key things as we're looking at what it is to be a pastor, uh, what it is to lead a group of people is that spiritual foundation that you have to have. And you might say, well, yeah, come on. I mean, that's, that's, we should, we, we shouldn't even have to say that. But we need to say that. But we need to say that. Yeah. Do you, if you had to sit down, you know, and write out what you really believe, um, you know, what, what are the things that you wrestle with? And, one of the things, I was actually on a, a Zoom a meeting, uh, I think it was last summer, and it was a, it, just a church leadership meeting. And one of the questions was, why are so many pastors not only leaving the ministry, and this is in America that was posed, because there seemed to be at the time and, and still a rash of pastors not only leaving the ministry, but leaving the faith. Yeah, And these were like big time lead pastors who were stepping down saying, I don't even think I believe this anymore. Yeah, And Francis Chan was on this call and I loved what his answer was. And it hit me really, really hard, like a sledgehammer between the eyes. He says, I think the disservice we have done as a church is we've created environments where people will believe a man on stage. And they will, they will believe what this man is saying because he seems to authentically believe it. He seems to, you know, trustworthy and he seems sane. And so people will say, I, okay, because he believes it, I trust him, I'm going to follow him. But what they haven't actually had is their own personal experience with the living God. Yeah. And with that, I mean, that's a, that's a big challenge right off the bat is have you had, and I'm not asking you, I mean, personally right now, Seth, but if you're, if you're sensing that call is what does that look like for you? And, uh, it made me stop and go, wait, where am I at? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I've, I've listened to a ton of pastors and some of the pastors, you know, uh, world renowned pastors that I've spent years listening to lectures and that were really transformative in my walk have fallen mm-hmm. and that can be crushing for sure. when that happens. Yeah, And it really, I'm, I'm grateful to Francis Chan for saying that because it really made me examine my faith and what has it been built on? Has it been built on me trusting what some of these humans, human men, sinners, not perfect, have said, 
And then if they fall, if they struggle, if, if they suddenly walk away from the faith or something, what am I left with? Yeah. And that forced me to really examine that foundation of, have I had that experience with the living God? And what does that look like? And how do I continue to maintain that? Um, Because without that, you're going to crumble. Yeah. You're going to crumble. You know, even at the, at the basics conference uh, we were at, one of the things I wrote down uh, that Alistair Begg said, you know, the second we stop preaching, the only thing that saves is, is a second we stop having something to say uh, or having something worth saying. And because what Chan just described there is what we would call a con man, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that reminder that uh, what Jesus said, uh, you know, wolves can put on sheep's clothing too. And we, like, we're not just paying attention to the telemarketer or the man at the door uh, selling us uh, the vacuum cleaner or the next great thing. But it's that reminder that that man on a stage is exactly that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I love where we spent a lot of time, and, and I think it was refreshing, and I think it was encouraging for anybody developing a call. Uh, Tim talked to, to us a lot of, at our content and past pastors' meetings when we were going through uh, the Samuel series, mm-hmm. and when we talked about David a lot, and we, we misdirect those words, a man after God's own heart, that he's worthy to be on the pedestal too. No, he's not. Mm-mm. You know, that no. that man after God's own heart was just reflected that when things were going well is because David was doing what he was supposed to be doing and chasing the living God, uh, uh, willing to throw everything to the wind to follow uh, the, the God that pursued him, the God that called him through Samuel. And, and that's, that's the encouragement uh, to anybody wrestling with this is exactly that. Like, never forget your first love. Yes. And if you're not, abundantly certain that he's your first love um this road gets awfully tough in a hurry because uh, it's going to be challenging anyway oh yes um but without that first love and that reminder that encouragement that kick in the butt that pat on the back um that christ has prepared for us um <laughs> this this job can be devastating it can um, be a meat grinder yeah for sure yeah yeah and, and you and I have had, you know, some, you know, just uh, friend conversations yeah. where we've taken off the coworker hat and just, we've had, you know, talk about that. And, and uh, I'm number one, I'm grateful to have somebody I can talk to about that stuff. Yeah. And I can be honest about when I'm struggling with something and yeah. um, it's been really helpful to me uh, to, to have that. Um, but I want to come back to seminary real quick. Yeah. All right. Just, just to hit on that. And. Um, it's great to hear that that was what really forced you to dig in and make sure that you believed what you believed and you understood why you believed what you believed. And that was where you were able to have that foundation. Um, what other roles, was there any other roles that you see seminary playing for somebody that might be looking to take that step or, or is there some things that you were like, it prepared me for this, yeah. but there's this, this aspect that, that it didn't. Yeah. I think one of the, the blessings, um, it's, I'd maybe recommend or say two things to, to that question. The first is I, 
was incredibly blessed with the opportunity to go to Wheaton College. Um, just great men and women, uh, professors, my college coaches. You know, I played for guys that said, no, you don't attend small group, you're not playing. Uh, like that was the level of which they were bringing Christ into every facet of your life. Um, and that was, that was huge. So I had like, you know, new Testament, old Testament. Some of those were part of the course load there. So I had a good prep for seminary, but like some, some folks like, um, they've done the best they can with the tools they had and know that Christ has placed a calling on their lives. Seminary, like just from a tool perspective to understand and add depth to this thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we comment a lot, like this thing's like just screaming to Britain right now as a newer, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a newer Christian, you yeah. know, and that's, uh, watching even seminary students, just come alive um, with that and being reminded myself of like, holy buckets, there's loads of depth. Like, um, like I love it that we're in a faith that uh, like something my student pastor said growing up, Romans 8, he would constantly like read this for one, like we did challenges of like uh, reading Romans 8 for a whole month, like daily, as many times as we could in that month and just constantly lit like, Man, seminary is a great for making that depth come alive at time. And the other thing I'd say, um, and I didn't fully grasp this yet uh, because I was 25 and had the world figured out. Uh, <laughs> As we all do. Right, and had the pieces of paper on the wall of, yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> of just uh, the ability to say I don't know to somebody and the power that that is. Um, to not be that guy on the stage, to not be that person in in the circle of the small group or in the fight club that has to always talk. Um, you know, one of the blessings I have is um, uh, getting to help equip leaders, come alongside leaders of small groups, of our TAP women's groups, of our fight clubs, and getting to work with our volunteers in those areas. Um, and we... It's easy to, and that's not just a tabernacle issue. This is, you know, any church I've been at, their story's so messy. Like, I, I, we can't talk about that in our group. And it's like, no, that's the messiness of the gospel. And it's no more messy than the, the lady or the dude speaking nothing but the Christian ghetto language that's shutting the conversation down as well. That, that table, uh, has a seat for everybody at it um, and brings all of our messinesses. And I was just, I was so appreciative of my pastoral care professor of our ability to say, sometimes the greatest thing you'll say is silence is, I don't know of just being with and on the journey with somebody. That is good words right there. I'm jotting all these nuggets down. Uh, Yeah. And, if I had to sum up a lot of that right there, it's, it's humility. Yeah. And one of the key aspects, I mean, we talk about here all the time, uh, as soon as you stop being humble, you stop being teachable. Yeah. And as soon as you stop being teachable, you are dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wrote down, you know, don't be afraid of the messy. Mm-hmm. You cannot be afraid of the messy. And <laughs> I think, you know, stepping into helping pastor or shepherd a congregation, 
Uh, that is one of the things that for me was a big change coming out of the construction world. What, there's a lot of order you can bring to a construction site if you so choose. Yeah. And at the end of the day, at the end of the project, there's a, de- there's a definitive, number one, a beginning. There's a planning stage. There's a beginning. There's the execution of the project. And then there's, a, there's that last day on the project where everything is done. The entire list is checked. You clean everything off. You shut the door on the tool trailer. The, the tools are put away. Every, all the leftover stuff is returned. And you're done with that project. Yeah. And stepping into people's lives, there is no done. Yeah. There is no finished. Yeah. There are no completed projects. Everything is an ongoing project. Uh, and project is a bad word. Um, I, I, that's a, probably a, a bad metaphor to use. Uh, Only if we don't see ourselves as the same project. <laughs> that's right? true, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I am, I'm, I'm definitely myself. I'm a, I'm a project under construction. Yeah. Uh, but that was a big transition because for me, I used to get a lot of sense or a lot of uh, sense of accomplishment out of that finality. Yeah. Being able to look at something, and go, yes, there is a definitive job well done. All of those boards used to be in a pile. Now they are standing up and they are functioning as a shelter for another human being. Uh, and I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. And then you step into a world where there it is very messy. Um, most people don't show up at church because life was going so well, especially if they're checking church out or coming from a background where they've been unchurched, dechurched, away from church. Usually what brings them back in is is uh, the messiness of life. Mm-hmm. And our role is to not be afraid of that, but to be yeah. able to step in, walk alongside. And I love how you say that, the ability to listen. Yeah. Um, one of the, you know, if I... I've had a couple books that have been influential and have helped me learn how to be a better pastor. And one of yeah. those is a book called The Imperfect Pastor by Zach Eswine. Um, that's actually one I keep on audiobook. Yeah. And uh, that a lot of times on my drive to Manistee, I'm just letting that play because there's so many great reminders. And the ability to not have <laughs> the restraint to not have to solve every problem and situation with yeah quoting scripture. Yeah. And it's not that scripture doesn't have the answers, but there's times that there is times to just let the silence be your answer to be able to say, I don't know. And instead of having to fix everything, yeah. To be able to walk alongside. Yeah. Be able to walk alongside. I mean, one of the greatest pictures I, I I've had painted for me in regards to that word pictures is that we're all just trying to walk home together. Mm. And some of us are just, charged with helping make sure people who are stumbling along the way can get up and are, are still able to walk home as we're all trying to walk home towards heaven, towards Jesus. Um, yeah. And being with, just yeah. being with people. Uh, we, you know, at that basics conference we were just at, uh, down there with Alistair Big, uh, Tony Merida, um, I think I pronounced his last name right. Tony, I'm, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, uh, <laughs> I've actually got one of his books here called The Faithful Church Planner. Yeah. Um, and that was something that he talked about as somebody who's going to be charged with shepherding a congregation. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we're going to dive a little bit further into that, I hope, uh, of what that is to shepherd a congregation, where we get the definition out of Scripture, um, where we see it modeled in Scripture. But one of the things he talked about is if you're just looking to be, and I don't want to say just, there is a role, it's called a teacher, and there are going to be people that are predominantly 
they're going to be speakers. Yeah. And that's okay. That's needed. That's necessary. Um, a shepherd is somebody who's going to be with the people. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be the lead pastor, now I know we're blessed here at, at the Tabernacle where we've got multiple pastors. We've got campus pastors, executive pastors, associate pastors. Uh, we've got worship pastors. And we have a teach. We have John, who's our lead pastor, teaching pastor. Um, but if all you're looking to do, if you just want to be somebody who gets on stage, preaches the word, and gets off, being a shepherd, a pastor of a congregation, is not for you. Yeah. Uh, that the huge part of the job is being with people. Yeah. And there's a hospitality aspect to that, and. Uh, that's actually something I see you do really well, and I'm going to make you uncomfortable because I'm going to compliment you here. But check, yeah, <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, check. yeah. Well, I'm, when I'm sitting over there, John does that to me. But yeah. uh, and I, but no, that's important. And I'm not, we all have areas. Yeah, it's like yeah, for we sure. can grow on there. Uh, for sure. But uh, that's something that, at least for me, being friends with you, working with you, I see you do. I see you being hospitable. I see you being with people. Uh, and especially being with the people in the town that you mm-hmm. live in uh, and that you've chosen to and intentionally chosen. No, I'm going to make this my home. Yeah. I'm here for the long haul. And I watch you do it. And I'm like, man, that's somebody who is making me better at ho- hospitality. As Matt Hughes says, uh, as a musician, you always want to be the worst musician on the stage. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is you're going to, that's the only way you're going to grow. If you're mm-hmm. always the best musician on the stage, number one, you probably got an ego. Yeah, number two, that's <laughs> number two, you're not really going to grow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and yeah, and that'll challenge your humility. Uh, and for me being able to, as a pastor, like when I see other people, uh, that have those qualities that help me grow, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause at number one, it keeps me humble. Number two, and it's just easy to grow then. Yeah. So, um, you know, on that note, I mean, we're we're kind of da- bouncing all around here, but we're yeah. starting to get into a little bit more of the practical application. Yeah, uh, where you're going to find yourself spending time, and yeah. if you don't like being with people, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's an important distinction. Like, if someone's listening, it's like, shoot, like I would call myself more of an introvert. Like, no, that this that doesn't disclude you from ministry uh, at all. There, there. But it's learning, so learning to do those calculated things well, you know, and we're going to dive into that a little bit later of how to say no, these healthy boundaries, Uh, but learning to do, okay, like what are those, what are those calculated ways that I can extend myself that do bring me naturally out into the community? Um, You know, the schooling years were just so, you know, so informative for me. And, and I'm a firm believer of you get into schools, you get into the community. Um, and, you know, cause you take schools out of a community and all of a sudden a lot of communities are disappearing off the map. That's the one thing that may hold them there. Um, you know, grandparents go to sporting events, go to their grandkids, things, go to the things, parents, you're, you're following kids, you're helping encourage, shape, direct, steer kids, um, dropping kids off, obviously. So if we can get into the schools, we have a great chance of being in the community. That's something, that's my, uh, philosophy of ministry, but, Mm -hmm. but the people that, you know, they have, um, you have a mind for seeing like systems, right? And so, 
uh, and for people like a Martin Rizzi that have entrepreneurial brains, like, okay, like get into the chamber of commerce, get into those things where you're putting yourself like for that introvert or for that person, like, no, you can do community. You can get there. Oh yeah. Don't do it like me. Do it like you. Uh, and find where God has blessed you with passions. We have some guys, I love the fact that we have a guy like a Zach Robinson here, um, and we have other one of those guys, like he wants to change the culture of the golf course he works at uh, over Mm -hmm. in Manistee, and he just constantly wants to bring more guys in there that are calling guys to men's leagues, to some of these other things, to change the the culture of those places. Well, that's doing ministry. You're being a pastor yeah. at that place. Yes. Um, and, I, and maybe that's, that's a good point to hit right there. You can be a pastor and not be getting your paycheck from a church. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the secret sauce here mm-hmm. is we actually have, and you just hit it. We, there are pastors all over working in machine shops, working at golf courses, working at lumber yards, uh, working on a job site, working at hospitals, uh, working. You name it. Yeah. And there's probably a group of people around you that if you are truly living out what we believe about Christ, about the resurrection, about the spirit, about eternity, if we're truly believing that and living out all the things that we believe that are all tangled up and entailed in that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people who are going to look to you when the fertilizer hits the ventilator in their lives. Yeah, for sure. And we hear stories about that happening all the time. So uh, maybe you're not sensing a call to, well, I want to go work at a church or I want to go work with this parachurch organization or I'm going to go be a missionary. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. <laughs> We're actually all called to be shepherds. Yeah shepherds in our own home mm-hmm. uh, the most important place to be a shepherd <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and that's you know another danger of ministry we're just going to keep bouncing all over the place here yeah but is that we can get so wrapped up in the professional uh congregation that we have the yeah. that's outside our home that we can actually neglect the the home that we have and so with that, I mean, it might be good time to just to jump into a little bit of scripture here. And yeah. I got you know a passage from a book by Eugene Peterson. I want to hit before we get done that uh, every time I read it, it kicks me right square in the good right square in the forehead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we a great place to start if you want to reference uh, and you want to start diving into what it is to be a pastor, uh, there's a couple places uh, to go. Uh, one specifically uh, Ephesians four. Uh, and starting in verse 11, reads like this. And he, being Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do this. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, and it goes on to talk about so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves, uh, that we're able to discern uh, deceitful schemes. But it talks right there one of the main roles of the shepherds, the, pro- the, the pastors, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. Uh, it is not <laughs> to make sure that everything ministerial-wise gets done, mm-hmm. but it's to make sure the Zach Robinsons 
the like all of these people that we've got as that we hear all these wonderful stories about um you know how they're changing their workplace environments uh you know we've shared a lot of those stories um that making sure they've got the tools that they need to be effective out there yeah. in the world yeah um we're called to be in the world not of the world you know we're, we're that's a whole nother sermon right there right but yeah we're not called to you know just create an environment where everybody gets to come and huddle up yeah. and and be sheltered from the world. But we are called to equip the saints. So that means there's going to be teaching, there's going to be encouragement, there's going to be mentoring, there's going to be... Uh, this is an apprenticeship, right? So there's got... Yeah. So we better be sending people out like, hey, here's your na- hammer and nails, um, get to work. Uh, exactly. And if you think about it, and this is a crazy thing to think about, but... We are, you and I have been apprentices of Christians that have gone before us that were apprentices from other people that were apprentices from other people going back decades, yeah, going back centuries, going back thousands of years yeah. to the original apostles. Yeah. And that tradition has been carried out, this right there, the equipping of the saints has been carried out for centuries. Yeah. And man, that would be a, I, I would geek out on that only because I yeah. like spreadsheets and lines and all that type of stuff. But just to see what that trail looked like that, yeah. that, that connects me personally, connects you, connects our church all the way back. Uh, you know, I even think about uh, the people who have mentored me and then being able to meet some of their fathers who were mentors and they were missionaries. And, and, and then who were those? Per, per, uh, that's amazing to me. Yeah. And it's nothing short of a miracle that that happens. Yeah. Nothing short of a miracle. Um, so yeah, the equipping of the saints, man, for the, for the work of the mystery, for building up the body of Christ, uh, that we're all looking for unity. Um, and that, that's a, that's one scripture that you can go to Ephesians four. Can can I, can I jump in there? Yeah, for sure, man. Because, uh, I love that passage. Um, I love that encouragement because like what you're saying, it's, it's also the reminder that we're not building them up for the tabernacle. We're not, right. we're not building them up for even <laughs> Manistee or for Kingsley or for Buckley or wherever somebody, like, if you, like, so speaking the goal here to speak a little bit to those that might be sensing a call here, um, yeah, it can get costly at times because it's going to invade your comfort zone and maybe God's calling you to another community. That's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he's... If he's done this much, we talk about pro- that, you know, providing for pastors, calling pastors, um, apprenticing pastors for thousands of years. And he's lined up the dominoes in your life in a very noisy world to bring you to a place of saying, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go. Do you not think he's going to provide for you along the way? You know, one of the biggest hurdles that we had to coming on staff here and it was our own mental hurdles was the girls are in a good place with school. The girls are in a good place at our former church. We're thankful coming from a church that loved us. Well, uh, we couldn't possibly t- No, they they've done just fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they, they've had an easier time of transitioning than maybe we did. Yeah. And, and that, that can be, wow. I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because that can be, uh, the the fear of the unknown, yeah. Fear of creating discomfort, yeah. And you're right. I you know just watching your little girls, man. I think you could take them anywhere, and they just figure out how to thrive. Yeah. You know they just. Uh, I love watching one of your daughters over at my house 
for my daughter's open house, just running around picking flowers. And I'm like, this little girl, you could take her anywhere and she would just figure out, she would be content. Yeah. She's going to find something beautiful about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like that, the fear of change. Yeah. And change is hard. Yeah. And and for that person feeling called a ministry, don't, don't weaponize the things (laughs) of your life. Like we, we have a natural temptation to want to do what Abraham did. Uh, Hey, I I know you've given me this blessing, God, but in terms of him having Isaac, but like, is it me or is it Isaac? You know, is it going to be this call that I'm leading you to, that I'm going to provide for you on, that I'm going to steer you on, encourage you on, comfort you on? Uh, Don't don't go pulling an Isaac on me. Um, Are you going to follow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and then... And it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's called to pick up and move. Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, that, that and that's the the craziness is, is we look around just our staff, people who are, have made, have made a choice in life. We're going to step out of, uh, maybe a, a traditional secular job and step into a ministerial role. And we're going to mm-hmm. apply ourselves full time to that is, is the diversity of yeah. <laughs> the staff. I mean, we've got people that have literally moved uh, a third of the way around the world, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got John who grew up in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got you that's been Midwest. You've been, uh, and then- you We've know, bounced. Yeah. yeah, you've bounced. Uh, you know, Martin, who's, you know, been in Michigan, uh, yeah. moved around a lot. Britain from Oklahoma, he's moved here. Oh, and Ben Brown from right up the road. Where God's called you in place, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. And that, like, for me, actually, personally, that was a little bit of a struggle. Going, man, these people have moved and they've done all these yeah. things. I live a quarter of a mile from the the lot that my, my the house I lived in when yeah. I was born. I live on the backside of my grandparents' old farm. Yeah. Uh, I, I've grown up and I've been in the same town literally my entire life. Yeah. Um, and... And by the comparison, the comparison trap, I often would look at that and go, man, maybe I'm not being faithful. Am I being scared? Am I called to move somewhere? Oh, but who better to love Kingsley? Well, <laughs> right? yeah. And that was finally something is, is digging into like, what is, what is it to be a pastor? Is it, is, is it mean that you, you do pick up and move? Yeah. Um, is that one of the, and what, at least for me, my experience is what I'm learning is like, no, there might be a chance that God's put you in that place. You've been there for a while mm-hmm. and he's going to call you to be there and, but your role in that place might be shifting. So going from being Ben, the carpenter, Ben, the guy who's going to build you a pole barn, Ben, the guy who's going to, uh, you know, you know, finish your drywall or something like that to, um, Ben, the guy who we're going to call when there's a, when a loved one dies. Yeah. And that's, that's been an interesting shift for me in that community. Um, and in, in this community, and mm-hmm. for me personally, I've, I have sensed, at least for the time being, until God shows me otherwise, is, no, that's my community to, to be in. Yeah. To be, just to, to settle into and to be a part of. Um, and there's, you know, there's scriptural places for that where, um, you know, you don't have to completely uproot. But there's times that God calls you to. And that's. For sure. And that, that, so there isn't a right or wrong to any of that. It's just, that's one of the things I think that many people are going to come up against. Well, and I, I think, you know, you, you did, uh, pastors have to summarize each other, right? Cause yep. we have way too many words. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. <laughs> uh, that's why all these podcasts are increasingly getting longer. That's right. Um, but chase the calling, not the checklist, right? That, yes. 
your calling's going to come differently. It's going to look different. And the commonality, the calling, if it's a calling, it's going to be from Christ. Yes. To build up Christ's body. Yes. And to learn to celebrate that. You know, if there's pastors listening to this, don't worry about if the kid, the, the gal, the, the person doesn't look the same as you. Mm-hmm. Christ's body will be better for it. Um, and, and to me, like, that's what I keep getting reminded about the beauty of our staff is how, uh, you know, we, we joke and tease that this is a land of misfit toys. Uh, but we're, we're like the broken down things, uh, you know, to the claymation Rudolph, you know, the weird trains, (laughs) the weird Jack in the boxes. Like there's so many different types of toys on this staff, so many different types of personalities that, um, allow me as a pastor in some ways, um, you know, thinking of a situation where I needed to hand something off. There were people better equipped because of the relationship they had. Well, I'm the pastor. I should step it. No, like these two people have a direct relationship staffers here at church. So let them go to the person. Yeah. They have the relationship. They're going to be able to draw that person out in an encouraging way rather than shoot. Like I haven't talked to that pastor much, (laughs) right? Put them in the best place to grow. Yeah. So chase the calling, not the checklist. Not the checklist. That's right. And that's, I think, one of the dangers is thinking that there is a checklist to this. Yeah. You know, and, and if, if maybe you're in a, in a job somewhere and it's a miserable job and you're like, man, I just don't feel like I can grow spiritually here or something like that. And I'm talking to somebody who's, you know, not, not professionally, uh, or let me, let me rephrase that, who isn't working on a church staff. Yeah. Somebody who's working in a machine shop, somebody who's working at Lumberyard. Uh, whatever that might look like on a football team, coaching, whatever that might be, working at a school, um, that that direction, mm-hmm. the next good thing mm-hmm. that God's going to put in front of you is going to be very unique. Yeah. Uh, and and just as I look around here at our volunteers, at our ministry leaders, many of whom are volunteers. Yeah. Uh, who are devoted? I mean, man, they they make this place rock. Yeah. They are the ones that are. Uh, I swear they they. They do so much uh, for this congregation, um, and we couldn't do it without them. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that that you're right. It's it's not about a checklist. It's going to be an individual pressure that God's going to place on your heart. And for me, that pressure started like to to I didn't go to seminary, mm-hmm. uh, and that was actually one of our conversations I had. It was like, man, I feel like I need to step back and go, you know, go dig in and spend some time, spend a few years, you know making this official <laughs> and your encouragement to me was like, uh, yeah, don't, mm-hmm. you don't need to, um, like you're going to learn along the way. It's all good. Uh, and I'm grateful for the people we do have on staff that, uh, that I get to learn from that, uh, that I get to go ask questions of like, okay, what if you, and that has been a huge blessing to me. Um, but for me, that pressure that I put on my heart, actually it was, it was more of a being able to minister to people with the skills I had. It was, I had these carpentry skills Yeah, and I can remember the first time on a job site talking to this guy, his name was Denny Chapel. Uh, and he was, I was running a big construction project in Traverse city. He was doing the HVAC on it. And he told me, he's like, Hey man, uh, I'm not going to be here next week. Just so you know, we're going to be good to go on this project. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to be on vacation. And I was like, Oh, where are you going on vacation? And like, well, I'm going to, I think it was Honduras. 
And I was like, that's an odd place to go on vacation. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. what? what? <laughs> yeah. And he's, well, I mean, it's a mission trip and we go down and we, we, we build houses for people that don't have houses. And at that moment for me, like that was, that was a definitive moment in my life where I saw this guy who I really respected. He was a good dude, always filled with joy. I didn't know he was a Christian. I mean, he just was a, but I enjoyed being around him. Yeah. And there was something about this guy that was different. And when he said that, I just remember, like, I was like, tell me more. What are you doing? Like, man, a lot of times it's, we're just going, it's, 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 you know, four stakes in the ground, you know, four posts, uh, some light framing, you know, 10 by 10, 10, no door. And he told me the story about the last one, last trip he was on being down there and this woman, single mom, two kids, two or three kids standing there just crying the entire time. Yeah. And for me, it was like, there was something and I was like, this is going way back before, you know, this is BC before I was what I would call a Christian, but there was something about that that was like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to be a part of that because there's something good and noble and right about all of that. Denny, the next time you go, I want to go. Yeah. That turned into a, and I never did get to go with Denny on a, uh, on a trip, but I got to go to Haiti and be a little part of a construction project there. And that became part of (laughs) my pastoral call. Yeah. Was able to go to work for a a local parachurch ministry, Freedom Builders, that that's what they did Uh, locally. It was taking care of critical home repair needs for people who couldn't afford it. And it was all volunteers and, you know, just a bunch of people from all these different churches coming together, doing a lot of work on a lot of single wide mobile homes uh, to help people along. But, but the whole goal of it was pastoring them was an opportunity to talk to them about Christ. And for me, that was the, that was my entrance into ministry, into being a pastor and being able to be in people's homes and listen. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I did not know what I was doing other than I was going to church and I was going to Bible studies and, you know, I'd become, I, I would say I became a, <laughs> a saved Christian before that, uh, in, in, in between all that. And that's a whole longer story, but being able to pastor to people right where they were in their own homes. And I wouldn't even use that term. Yeah. All I knew is I was trying to share my experience of strength and hope with them Yeah, and, and help them with a, uh, tangible, physical, basic need at the same time. And, uh, that just progressed from there. So yeah, the path is going to look That's awesome. unique. Yeah. It's going to look unique for you. It's going to look, you know, and what that looks like. Um, but to be a shepherd, you know, really at its basic form is, is we're guiding people towards Christ. Are, are we guiding? <laughs> that's a great question. Are you guiding people towards or away from? Yeah, uh, that's always a good heart check too. Um, I'm yeah. going to stop talking for a minute and let you go for a minute because I <laughs> no, I that's feel like good. I'm dominating this. No, that's good. But but people like I think what I hear in that is like you know at every path along the way there wasn't the um, the grand plan. There was just the next. You 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 say this a lot to our staff. And I'm trying to say it more to our Manistee staff. Um, and no, we're not trying to quote Frozen. Uh, but what's the next good thing? Like, what's that next good step? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that reminder of, uh, no, it's not Frozen that we're quoting. It's scripture that we're quoting. Uh, we're, we're going back to the Psalms. 
of he'll be a light to our feet and a lamp for our path. Yes. Might not be the clarity that we think of with our, you know, the the headlamps that you and I carry in the back country <laughs> with 300 lumen or whatever, but there's enough there. Mm-hmm. So just take the next step. Yeah. Just take the next step. Yep. Take the next step. And if it seems good and, and, and you know, if it requires a little bit of faith, um, you know, and then there's having, having solid mentors around you, solid people, solid brothers and sisters in Christ that you can talk to. Yeah. Uh, does it line up with scripture? Does it seem like something God would ask somebody to do? I always weighing things against that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, another great book of the Bible, if, if you want to, you know, get in there and study like some of the qualifications of, of a deacon or an overseer. So just to back up a little bit, the, the, the word pastor actually comes from a Latin word, which means shepherd. Yeah. Um, and Paul lists and he talks about, uh, often he retur- he refers to the leaders in the church as overseers, which is episkopos in the Greek. And I'm just stealing this from gotquestions.org. <laughs> right on. Uh, my lack of, the- my lack of seminary, uh, is overcome by the internet, uh, but then in Titus, he refers to them as elders at presbyteros in the Greek. Um, there, so there's there's a couple different offices there. Um, but the word overseer, uh, the 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 shepherd, the the pastor, um, is really talked about a lot in First Timothy and Paul, and in this book of the Bible, this letter that he wrote, he's writing it to somebody he's raised up in ministry yeah. who he's left in charge with a group of people. Yeah. Uh, so this is somebody, Paul's been Timothy's mentor mm-hmm. and, you know, just jumping into this, I mean, in our fight clubs, this is one of the go-to books of the Bible. This is like fight club 101 here that we talk yeah. about because there's a lot of good information, uh, for dads, for husbands, uh, for, uh, for anybody who's looking to lead their family, uh, well, mm-hmm. uh, who's looking to step up, uh, in, in their responsibilities in their church. Uh, it's from here, a lot of the, uh, are, if you want to become a member of the tabernacle, uh, we pull a lot of the qualifications and the conversation we have about that membership comes right out of first Timothy. Yeah. Uh, and to just jump right in, um, as, as Paul is talking to Timothy, who he calls my true child in the faith, uh, in chapter one and verse five, he's telling him this. And he's giving like this is the main purpose of what we're trying to do here, Timothy, as we're shepherding these this congregation. It says this: the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, and I got to flip the page, and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Yeah. So, starting right off there, the aim of our charge is not fame. The aim of our charge is not you know maybe a little bit easier work week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aim of our charge is not, uh, having everybody like us. The aim of our charge is not fill in the blank, but the yeah. aim of our charge, the main goal of what we're trying to accomplish, uh, as if we're pastors on staff at a church, if we are ministry leads at a church, or if we are pastors, uh, at our job site, the aim of our charge is love. And where that comes from is us maintaining a pure heart, a solid faith, or a sincere faith and a good conscience. Yeah. So right there, that's putting so much emphasis I'm finding on, uh, the maintaining of my own spiritual 
my, my spiritual connection with Christ, going all the way back to what you said towards the beginning of this, uh, remembering our first love. Yeah. Because believe it or not, working on a church staff, it can happen yeah. where you're just, you're going day to day, you're getting the things done, you're checking the boxes, but you're getting distracted from that first love. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, man, Seth, is there anything you're jump, that's jumping out from you <coughs> on that, on just that verse right there? Well, I think for me, like, I love, I love the fact that, um, so, uh, you're reading from the ESV, uh, I, I have, uh, the ESV. Yeah. I'm going to say it so you don't say the CBD. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but like, I love, uh, we pointed out some differences up at the table. Um, but like something that just caught my head was you, I have goal, you have aim. Right. And so I think of myself as someone that enjoys shooting a bow, shooting guns, um, I'm not always hitting right where I want to hit, right? So it's this thing, but it doesn't stop me from the next shot, the next repetition um, to try to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm always shooting for that mark. Sometimes I do it well. Sometimes I don't do it. uh, Sometimes I don't do it well. Both are important for people to see, Mm -hmm. right? So we're we're modeling that that person. Like if you're feeling a call, you're not perfect. Good. Yes. Good. Yes. Um, show show your church, show your small group, show your ministry, both sides, where you get to apologize and say, hey, I didn't do this well. Um, you know, to the pastor that can go to his church, um, I think of myself, you know, last, and this is not me being a, a good guy, uh, because it took me too long to figure this out, um, but last fall and winter were tough for me. Um, needed to jump into some, some counseling. Um, I wasn't proactive with the yellow flags that I saw coming up and then the red flags that I saw, I didn't respond to those well. Um, but being able to go to my staff, um, you, you were at that meeting, um, uh, late December, early January of this year and say, I'm sorry. I didn't have my best foot forward here and uh, I had fallen out of, I, I haven't fallen out of love. I had just, sometimes we get so laser focused on something, we get tunnel visioned and we miss the big picture of that first love. Uh, you know, it's the same thing as what the Pharisees did. They did it with the law. Um, I did it by not routinely putting myself in a position to be in relationship with others. Um and so struggled with a season of loneliness of uh what some what what I've been told is called circumstantial depression you okay. know and being able to own those things well that's that's freeing for me um you know you and uh JV challenged me no like your staff needs to hear this not from us from you but it's free for them then to say okay like it's okay for me to have issues to wrestle on this thing yeah, uh, because this 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 whole thing to to be, you know, uh, now the goal uh, of our instruction is love. Love's a two way word, right? Yep. <laughs> and so, like, am I am I in relationship with something? Am I loving something that you know with Christ, the person that 
uh, short changes that love. It will always be me, right? Um, I'm not reciprocating. I'm not spending time. I'm not uh, feeding myself in my relationship with Christ. But in the same way with my staff or my work, um, is it work that um, is in relationship with me, that'll wrestle with me, that'll challenge me, that will encourage me? Because um, I need that just as much as, that's why I think it's so important from the top down at our church, we don't have one teacher. We have multiple teachers because it puts then our butts in the chairs to hear God's word. Yes. And if we're not uh, humbling ourselves to be in relationship, then, you know, as that, um, I lost my spot. Um, we'll never have, we'll never even be able to possess a pure heart, mm-hmm. a good conscience, um, and a sincere, uh, sincere faith in our own life, let alone from the lives we're trying to lead and encourage, um, and shepherd. Yeah. So, you know, a couple, it, you know, like essential qualities of a pastor. And we're going to, we're going to keep going in first Timothy here. This is going to end up being a two episode one. I can just see Benji. So we might as well just tell John and Britton they're off the hook for next week. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, but like those essential qualities, uh, and, you know, when we were talking to Tim upstairs and like he had one word for us, make sure you say this word and it's humility. Yeah. You got to stay humble so that you stay teachable. But then the second thing I wrote down is what I'm hearing you, what I was hearing you say is going to help us maintain a pure heart and a good conscience is transparency. Yeah. If, if we are pretending that we, number one, if we think that we have to be perfect and then we have to put on a face that we're perfect, if we have to put on the face that our kids are perfect, mm-hmm. uh, you will, you will crumble. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, my experience has been that, yeah. uh, the, in the more transparent and honest about my shortcomings and, and being, especially having trusted people around me. And I'm so grateful for the staff, man. I get, I got a little, little, might've displayed a little emotion at the annual meeting there talking about you guys, but how dare I, (laughs) Uh, but you know, as I, as I, you know, said, joking around, but I'm honest, like anybody on the staff, I'd walk to Mordor with them uh, just because uh, the trust. And I, I have learned, I can be transparent with you guys and that we've built, been able to build a culture that we can be transparent with each other. Uh, that we can honor each other's shortcomings, uh, that we can help hold each other's arms up when we're getting tired. Yeah. Um, and that for me is when I'm able to say it, when yeah. I'm able to actually say that, like, guys, I, I know I'm supposed to be leading the pack here. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm struggling. My faith is getting iffy. Um, and when I'm able to say that or, you know, and you're not the only one on staff that struggled here yeah. and you're not like we all, it goes around and there's times many of us are struggling at the same yeah. time. And when we sit down and we talk about it and we say it out loud, that's where for me, that's where the pure heart and the good conscience comes from. It's like, I just confess this. I just put it out there. Yeah. And now I have people that are number one, going to help me. They're going to hold me accountable. Uh, and, and not in a way of no, make sure you get all those spreadsheets all done and for us by Friday. No, talk about hold, holding accountable of, um, are, are you trying to be the guy? Yeah. Are you, are, <laughs> are you willing to accept help? Are you willing to all of these things? Um, and man, I tell you what, it, that's such a blessing. Yeah. And that's how I've been able to maintain, uh, that, that good conscience, the pure heart and, and, and then constantly, like as you were talking about having a group of people around that are spiritually pouring into me, Yeah, uh, a sincere faith. 
So I, I'll be honest, like I actually have to oftentimes um, be able to step away from the tabernacle from this church and seek outside voices um, as, as pastors, as messages, uh, different books um, uh, to maintain my own faith. Because there's times I need to be fed yeah. and it can, at least my experience is in the church that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm on staff at. Sometimes that can be a challenge here. It's 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 good. There's we're learning creative ways and new ways of doing that, like getting together as as, as staff and doing a Bible study together, and then hearing that that that's helpful for me. Yeah. Um, but being able to maintain that faith, there's times like you know we we do flex weekends here where we each get a chance a couple times a year to go, not come to church here. Yeah. Go to another church. And just be part of the congregation there. Just yeah. go and just, you don't have any responsibilities. You just get to go and be. And that's really, really important. That's really important. Yeah. Or for that introvert that's listening, don't go to church. Today. Yeah. yeah. If you're a quiet person, be okay with going down to the beach, cracking your Bible open, because God's going to give you enough of a reason to worship down there if you're down there early in the morning, late at night. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that thing of, uh, something I heard you say, but you didn't say, um, was boundaries. What are your, what are the limitations of your heart? What are the limitations of your life? What are the limitations of your family that you need to hold in place? Yep. I've done that insanely poorly at times of, you know, it's a joke now. Um, it was, it was almost a matter of broken relationships in my house. Um, the summer of 17, uh, you know, like you bring that up with my wife, Heather, and she's like, you're going to get an eye roll. And it's like, okay, let's talk about that show. Cause that's what it was. Like that was a fest, um, of, you know, for me, like, I mean, you, uh, you know this about me, um, and you encourage us in me of, I love being, I love being a dad. Uh, it's, um, you know, I tease my girls that it's the second best job I have in my life. And the first is being Heather's husband. Um, those are my two best jobs. Sorry, Tab. Uh, you're third. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, but like, uh, we had really young kids. They're still, they're still young. Uh, they're getting, you know, you, yeah, we, yeah, that's another, that's another, <laughs> that's another talk. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because of all the commitments I said yes to. Because of all the boundaries I let slip, I was going to miss 17 bedtimes in a month with, oh, no, wow. with no emergency calls. And that's not the church's fault because they asked. It was my fault for saying yes. Um, the things that the church had going on, our student ministry, good. Our small group, good. Uh, you know, the, um, uh, I led a small group team at that church good i led you know an assimilation team uh christian ghetto talk for you know a welcoming team like how do we integrate people in good uh had the leadership team good but too much good all of a sudden can not have god in it um uh and it it got to a point where I needed called out on, um, and and Heather acknowledged the beauty of like what we were engaged in. Seth, I don't, I don't take joy in calling you away from any of these things. 
but you're wondering why the girls are so grumpy with you when you get in, uh, when you come back, when you miss a bedtime, they, they don't know any different. You are their dad. And there should be no greater joy in your life because there's no greater joy in their life than the dad that loves them. And I need you to prioritize that better. Um, and that was a good call because that pastor at that church that I started at, you know, as we had our first kiddo, um, he passed away sh- very shortly thereafter. Um, he said, Seth, you love that kid with everything you have. Uh, we didn't know if it was a boy or girl yet. Um, and he said, don't you dare, don't you dare let this church be your mistress. Oh, dang. Um, and that was that, like, so every season that I've struggled to maintain those boundaries uh, for my family, I'm reminded of uh, Pastor Rick Van Heitzma's word to me, um, of knowing I would need that truth, um, of knowing I would struggle with that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that that is a, I don't think I've ever heard it verbalized so well. Don't let the church be your mistress. Now, this is, you know, for the, the people out there that they've got, you've got a family. Um, and I would, I would, even as we look at qualifications for overseers in First Timothy chapter three, mm-hmm. uh, one of the qualifications we'll get into that is, is, is the household. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, Jesus first, our wives second. Or husband second, depending on which side yeah. of the marital status you're on there, or uh, um, and, and then our kids, yeah. and I think that's one of the dangers we can fall into is the church, the importance of the church. Oh, the church needs me. The church needs me. The church needs me. Your kids need you too. Yeah, and there will always be somebody. There will always be something screaming for your attention as a as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, always something there mm-hmm. and being able to discern, uh, where those where that this is the importance of why there needs to be some boundaries there. And if you're part of a congregation wondering why the pastor doesn't pick up the phone, uh, at, at midnight, um, I'll be honest, there, there's a reason and it's called boundaries. Yeah. Now there are times there are, there are, the, sure. and we've, we talk about that. There are times it's like, nope, kids. Dad's got to go deal with this. Yeah. Dad's got to go be there for somebody. Yeah. Um, but if that's our, if that's our first response to every little hiccup in somebody else's life along the way, uh, we are going to, our families are going to suffer immensely. And, um, I do not believe that that is something that we are called to do. Uh, so, you know, if we look at first Timothy chapter three and the qualifications for, for overseers in the church, and this is, um, you know, ministry leads, pastors, um, you know, we could break this down. I mean, you know, it even says, or bishops here in my notes in the ESV. Oh, dang. Oh, ooh, dang. Uh, so it, I'm just going to jump right in here. And this is, this is stuff that we use for our membership application here at the Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And right there, that's something... <laughs> You know, the word pastor, when I was growing up, it was like, that seemed to be the wimpiest thing anybody could do. And, uh, you know, Paul's saying right here, no, this is a noble thing. Yeah. And th- that's something that it, 
being able to take that on is there's a certain uh, aspect of human life that we are called to administer to. Uh, there are certain things that we need physically, food, shelter, and water, you know, food, shelter, and clothing. Um, you know, being a carpenter, you're helping, you know, helping people with shelter, basic human need, but there's a spiritual aspect too in here. And this is what Paul's saying. This is a noble thing that we're called to do. Therefore, an overseer, continuing on verse two, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, boundaries fits in there, Yeah, respectable, hospitable, need to be able to be with the people, mm-hmm. able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for it? How, or how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. So just jumping right in there, like, how we are able to set boundaries and take care of our household. Yeah. Uh, number one, that's actually a great learning point for how we are going to take care of God's church, how we're going to lead God's church. Um, and so I would use that as a qualifying scripture, and I hope I'm not twisting that, but I would use that as qualifying scripture to say, no, this is your household as a, as a, as a pastor, um, as a father, as a mother, uh, anybody is, is, Vitally important yeah. and, you know, raising your kids up and that takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes all of the energy that you would put into leading a congregation. That's yeah. your first congregation right there. For sure. And I like the fact like, um, Paul doesn't, we insert, I think, uh, subconsciously, um, when it comes to those family boundaries, perfect family. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just get, looking over at Benji because, you know, the, one of the things we've talked about here is that idea, uh, and, and we, we preach this pretty hard here at the Tabernacle, is that, you know, as pastor's kids, uh, you're not called to be perfect, and we aren't called to have perfect families. Yeah. And it's not about perfection. It's not at all about perfection. And I know something like even my own son has said, like, even though we talk about it all the time, he still feels the eyes. Mm-hmm. He still feels the sense that, anything that he does that's not doesn't live up to to perfection uh and that's you know that's something that um you know we we've talked about like no bud (laughs) (laughs) that that is not that's not the deal that's not what we signed up for and i don't even think that that's that that's biblical because none of us are going to be perfect yeah none of us are going to be perfect benji can so you have a full no card to play on this and full pass um like, how have you seen, like, how have you been encouraged, maybe from our church, maybe from your family, um, where, you, no, like, this has been reinforced. I don't have to have it all together. Uh, yeah, I think. Like, what's the question exactly? Like? So, maybe who's been good about drawing that out in you? Like, who's been an encouragement? No, like, you be you. Um, don't worry about being perfect. Be know. Benji. Kind yeah. of everyone on like the staff basically. Yeah. That's awesome. Good. Because what I've seen you do is like like uh you you're the son of a loudmouth. 
Right? <laughs> uh, John, we love you. Um, but what, um, but what I've seen from you is like you grab your passions well. I don't know many other teenagers that enjoy a routine of showing up to listen to a lot of monotone conversation <laughs> with occasional laughter. Yeah. But you know what? Like that tech side, like I watch you, I don't get to watch it every week, but I'm never not astounded by Benji, by your kiddos, by other staff kiddos that like are finding their place to serve. And I love that. Like, and there's some staff kiddos, you know what? They don't serve. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, I love, but I love that. You know what? Like, I do like tech stuff, so I'm going to serve in the tech stuff. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's cool. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, thanks for all you do, Benji. We appreciate you, man. You uncomfortable yet? Kind of. Uh, okay, cool. all right. We'll, we'll, shift, we'll shift the conversation <laughs> back over to us here. Um, but yeah, those boundaries are really important, and, and especially with our families, of being there's going to be things that we have to be able to say no to and in, in all transparency, you know, because that's apparently that's one of the essential qualities here. Darn it. Yeah. Is that's something I struggle with is actually saying no, uh, to, to things. And so constantly having to have people in my life that are looking, okay, what have you got on your plate? Mm-hmm. Why are you saying yes to that right now, Ben? Mm-hmm. That doesn't like, nope, you need to get to your daughter's cross country meet. You need to get to your son's, uh, band concert. You need to get to your daughter's, uh, you know, 4-H, uh, you know, 4-H exhibit that she's doing, that stuff is going to go away soon and they need to know that their dad is there and that they are loved and that and all of, and everything goes with that. Um, and, and that's just one of the boundaries. I mean, yeah. we, we could probably do three podcasts just on boundaries. On boundaries. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so something else I've noticed is, uh, this is just my observation. Seth, I'm going to ask you, see if you weigh in on this there's this thing called codependency mm-hmm. where we will try to make people happy mm-hmm. and there can be this draw for people who are codependent, who compulsively are trying to accommodate other people to make them happy, which is really a manipulation tactic to keep peace in their own world. Yeah. But there can be a draw towards ministry in that. Mm-hmm. And it seems in my experience that certain ministries can actually really attract a whole bunch of codependent people who then get into something and that the amount of people that you're going to be codependent to and try to keep happy and maintained, it's, you quickly will drown Yeah, and it will force you are either going to, you're going to get the life sucked out of you, uh, be completely overwhelmed, or you're going to need to learn healthy boundaries and how not to be codependent and that it is not your job or your responsibility or your role or your calling to make everybody happy. Yeah. And it can't be done. So, um, and I mean, that's something we talk about here a lot, but it just, that's an observation I have. I've had at least in the environments I've been around, jump in on that, Seth. Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, for me, the environment that, I've seen that or that unfortunately like maybe I've helped be a part of promoting uh, that co- is when it becomes that everything's got to go through me. Oh yeah. Right. And so um, I've naturally fixed the equation where everything has to funnel through me and I haven't set up a system 
to as someone that can struggle with that, you know, of saying, okay, like, uh, sure, like I can help with that, you know, yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, it's that have we set up a system to where, I mean, we were talking about this, uh, when was it? At our, I think it was at our pastor's meeting this week mm-hmm. about, you know, so we were talking about care. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, caring uh, for the congregation. Yeah. yeah. And some of the greatest joys I have and how we care is when I hear of something, um, you know, this happened in their life. This happened to this person. And I, you know, pick up the phone, follow up with the person. Hey, I'm so sorry. Like, I just heard about this. I said, why are you sorry? Like, my fight club cared for me. My tap women's group cared for me. My, yes. It's like, right, it's not about me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. like, but, like, that will only come if we, you know, for someone, like, looking at that call to ministry, don't, how to say this, like, don't, don't build uh, a repertoire, don't build a resume that says, I know how to do it. Um, b- build a resume that says, uh, we know how to do it because we know who to follow. That's right. Um, and it's not me and it's not you and it's not JV or Britain or any other staff or Victoria, whoever you fill in the blank. We know how to follow Christ. Yeah. And that's really, really important. And part of following Christ in that is in, in number one, I want to say good job equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. When you've got leaders, ministry leaders, volunteers who have really hard day jobs that they're For doing sure. out there, they're coming and they're leading a fight club, they're leading tablet women's group, they're working with us, you know, a small group, or they're they're leading a ministry or something like that. That they get it. Yeah, they. It's not about getting a schedule for ushers together. That's a that's a that's an opportunity to get to know people. Yeah, that later on when life happens. They get to step in and go, no, my real responsibility is I get to love this family really, really well right now. We're going to make sure they got groceries. We're going to make sure that somebody went up, gets up to the hospital to see them. Uh, so when we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, that's a big piece of that. Yeah. And, and as pastors, I love getting those calls when I get to go up to a hospital visit. And when I when I get called to go visit a family, you know, to prepare for a funeral, as odd as that sounds, there's something noble and and, and good about that. But I, I'm right there with you. When I find out that the group of people, their church within the church, yeah, has been uh, that they've been caring for each other, and like, no, guys, we got, this. yeah, I know how to love people. I know we know how to get groceries, Pastor. We yeah. can take care of this. Yeah, uh, go back to your Bible study. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, so, so that is, uh, I mean, yeah, man, good job equipping the saints. That's that's really great. That's really really great. Um, and I've completely lost my train of thought here right now. We're talking about yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Sorry, man. We're just we're no, we, we're kind of jumping all over. And I've got just a bunch of notes written on this pad here. Um, and you know we're, we we've been talking about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We've been talking about you know some different boundaries. We've been talking about seminary, no seminary. Uh, we've been talking about some of the personal struggles, uh, mm-hmm. some of the essential qualities, uh, you know, as we're going through there, that qualification of overseers, um, you know, be, keeping ourselves above reproach. And part of that is written there in First Timothy in uh, verse 2, uh, man, healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. who we're going to be with, who, 
uh, you know, as our, as our friend Joe came and spoke to our staff last week, there's times if, if four feet is good, six feet is probably a little healthier. Yeah. And, and, uh, if you're somebody that struggles with boundaries, man, this is, it's good practice. Yeah. We don't want to be in a situ- we don't, we don't put ourselves in situations, uh, that I think the, the term I heard is you run, always run everything through the, the front pra- front page headline, uh, filter. Mm-hmm. If this was plastered on the front page of a, of, of a newspaper, yeah, is that something you want out there? Yeah. And keeping yourself out of like making sure you got healthy boundaries, you know, you know, men and women, you know, being very cognizant of that, yeah. um, of, you know, just be, keeping ourselves above reproach. Uh, and it's, I hate to say it, yeah, but people outside the church are looking for reasons yeah. to say, aha, see that man of God yep. who preaches, look. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's really important because that's a reflection on Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, the importance of that, like, is bigger and broader than just our vocational time, right? So, yeah. it, like, it goes into our passions or our, our uh, um, what do I want to say? Our personal lives. And so, you know, is, well, I, I'm just a connoisseur of craft beers. Um, yeah, but is it, is it worth your witness? Is, is it worth the ministry? Um, you know, uh, you know, I think of a conversation I was having with someone, this is years ago when we first moved to Michigan, talking to someone about trying to get a shot at a big deer I had on, a trail camera and tucking my tree stand like really tight to a property line. Eh, be careful. Yeah. Cause that deer worth your, your witness yep. uh, is it, you know, and, and all those facets is that, are you flirting with the line of addiction? Um, are you, and that doesn't disqualify you from ministry. You know, I, I've certainly watched going through and that's a, that's a separate podcast, but like, um, going through a recovery ministry for myself. Like I, I don't celebrate the fact that I needed a recovery ministry, but I, I certainly celebrate the relationships that that's opened up. Yeah. But you know what? Like when we just try keeping, you know, the wool pulled over that thing, or we're not comfortable with it being on that front page headline. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's not what Christ calls us to do. You know, if his word is a light, if, if he is described, if Christ describes himself as the light, uh, as the way, um, but we feel like we need to keep something in the darkness. No, no, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And you know, we're, uh, you know, Paul even talks about, there's a lot of things we, we have freedom in Christ. Yeah. And there's a lot of wisdom issues that we, we, we have to weigh and use discernment on. There are the black and white sin issues. And then there's some that, you know, uh, alcohol for some, you know, if you can drink in moderation, God bless you. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul tells Timothy later on, take a little wine for your stomach. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to help you. And, and, but then right here is like, yeah, don't be a drunkard. Yeah. And so for some, uh, alcohol is going to be a non-issue. They yeah. can, they can have a beer. If that's you, great. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm one that that's not. That's not a card that I. That's not anything I get to toy with. Right. Um, I'm a little bit more John the Baptist, <laughs> being told, uh, "Yeah, no alcohol for you, bro." Yeah. Um, because 
and the most big reason right there is exactly what you just said. Um, I can probably be good for a while, but I know that I know that I know that at some point it's going to destroy my witness right? because of where I know that can lead me and that that is a weakness for me. Um, and so that's one that I've had to say, no, I can't even, yeah, I, I cannot even dabble in this at all. Um, because of just what you just said, people are watching and it's not about them, but it's about modeling Christ the best I can. And I, I'm probably going to have aspects of my life. I'm going to, they're going to chip away at my witness. Yeah. Um, but I want to be above reproach the best I can so that, uh, hopefully if people look at me, hopefully they at least see a little bit of Christ light shining through. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to give the enemy a reason to, you know, right. Point a finger. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little earlier about like, we're going to aim and miss at times. Like, yes. and so going back just like, <laughs> it's okay to have imperfections in your life, but I don't need to go adding excuses of things. I need to go back to my staff, to the church, to this team and say, Hey, I put my, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I routinely putting myself in that place? Yeah. To have to say, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, then that's yeah. a bigger issue because there's a sin problem there somewhere. Yeah. There's a pride issue there somewhere. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So you know, just going through there, that's a, that's a really good basic list of, you know, qualifications, ways to monitor our own personal life. Um, you know, and one of the ways that I've, that has helped me grow as a pastor is, is looking out there at people who have gone before me, who've been pastors for more than a minute. And I really love, uh, you know, looking at people who've been pastoring a congregation for 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. Um, and going, wow, what makes what has that that person been doing that has allowed them to do that so well? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's when they are men of peace, when they are men that are self controlled, when they're you know they're not quarrelsome, when they're not hot heads that fly off the handle, but there's just something that's very Christ like about them. Um, and looking at their life and using them as mentors for me, going and just trying to adopt some of those key aspects. Um, obviously always looking at Christ, you know, how he equipped the saints, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bunch of people there that need lunch and the disciples are like, Hey Jesus, we need you to dot, dot, dot. And he's like, Nope, you're going to do it. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? We're like, Nope, you guys are going to feed them. Yeah. Well, we don't have all this. No, you're going to feed them. Yeah. I'm going to bless what you're going to do. You're going to feed them. Yeah. And, uh, there's that equipping of the saints there. Um, that, that happens. Uh, so we're following Christ in that. And, and for me though, it's helpful to be able to look at other men of God, uh, a little bit closer that maybe I even get to have a conversation with at some time, yeah. or I get to read a book that they've written about their experience. Um, and it's important to know, I, I, this is something I feel really uh, compelled to say, uh, we are not going to find perfect pastors. If you want to rip the rug out from any pastor out there, you probably won't have to look too far. Yeah. There's going to be pe- men of God who are doing their best to follow Jesus that they're going to have a theological difference from you. Mm-hmm. However, or that one thing that you can even point to is like, no, scripturally they're off right here. That does not necessarily discount everything else that they've said that is true, good, just. Yeah. They've, got, they've got a spot. Yeah, I've got spots. I promise you. If I was aware of them, I would be doing something to take care of them, uh, to work on that. 
Yeah. Uh, and when God convicts me of certain things or points things out to me in Scripture, was like, oh, I never saw that before. Wow, now that makes sense. This one, you know, maybe a small rock issue or something. Um, I'm, I'm going to change that. But I think it's important that as we're looking at, you know, other other mentors mm-hmm. and whatever we're doing, that we're not looking for perfection, but we're, we're looking for the aspects that shine Christ's light. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, we're we're never going to find you're never going to find a perfect mentor yeah. because um, we're all, we're all still sinners. And yeah. that's really important to remember. Um, but one of the, one for me that, uh, and this is a passage from a book by Eugene Peterson, uh, who, he was a guy who basically he shepherded the same congregation for decades and it was a congregation of about 300 people. Yeah. And, uh, and I've watched interviews, you know, he's, he's been passed away for a few years now and I've watched interviews with Eugene and you can say whatever you want about him not a perfect guy. Uh, people have interviewed said, yep, he's not perfect. Yeah. Uh, but there are aspects of how he led his, his congregation that I admire yeah. that there are aspects that are like, there's something Christ-like about that. There's something, uh, long lasting that I admire and that seems good to me. Uh, so in one of his books he wrote called Working the Angles, The Shape of Pastoral Integrity, uh, He's got a couple pages here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight. I've got some of it highlighted. Uh, this is actually something when I read it, I was in tears because it really, for me, quantified, qualified what it is to be a pastor of a congregation. Um, so this is a, actually a congregation. This is written as a congregation writing to their pastor. Um, so I'm just gonna jump in here. Um, the definition that pastors start out with, given to us in our ordination, is that pastoral work is a ministry of word and sacrament. Word, meaning scripture. Mm-hmm. But in the wreckage, all words sound like mere words, which is true. Sacrament. But in the wreckage, what difference can a little water, a piece of bread, a sip of wine make? Yet century after century, Christians continue to take certain persons in their communities, set them apart, and say, We want you to be responsible. For saying and acting among us what we believe about God and kingdom and gospel. We believe that the Holy Spirit is among us and within us. We believe that God's Spirit continues to hover over the chaos of the world's evil and our sin, shaping a new creation and new creatures. We believe that God is not a spectator in turn amused and alarmed at the wreckage of world history, but a participant in it. We believe that everything, especially everything that looks like wreckage, is material that God is using to make a praising life. We believe all this, but we don't see it. We see like Ezekiel, dismembered skeletons whitened under a pitiless Babylonian sun. We see a lot of bones that once were laughing and dancing children, of adults who once made love and plans, of believers who once brought their doubts and sang their praises in church and sinned. We don't see the dancers or the lovers or the singers. At best, we see only fleeting glimpses of them. What we see are bones, dry bones. We see sin and judgment on the sin. That is what it looks like. It looked that way to Ezekiel. It looks that way to anyone with eyes to see and a brain to think, and it looks that way to us. And so this is a congregation. So I mean, we believe these things, but what we're seeing in our real life doesn't, it's a mess. Yeah. That's the messiness that we were talking about earlier. He goes on, but we believe something else. We believe in the coming together of these bones into connected, sinewed, muscled human beings who speak and sing and laugh and work and believe and bless their God. We believe that it happened the way Ezekiel preached it, and we believe that it still happens. We believe it happened in Israel and that it happens 
and the church. We believe that we are part of the happening as we sing our praises, listening believingly to God's words, receiving the new life of Christ in the sacraments. We believe that the most significant thing that happens or can happen is that we are no longer dismembered, but are remembered into the resurrection body of Christ. Mm. I know this is going on and kind of somewhat poetic, but we're getting there. (laughs) We need help in keeping our beliefs sharp and accurate and intact. We don't trust ourselves. Our emotions seduce us into infidelities. We know that we are launched on a difficult and dangerous act of faith and that there are strong influences intent on diluting or destroying it. This is the congregation again. We want you to help us. Be our pastor, a minister of word and sacrament in the middle of this world's life. Minister with word and sacrament to us in all the different parts and stages of our lives, in our work and play with our children and our parents, at birth and death, in our celebrations and sorrows, on those days when morning breaks over us in a wash of sunshine, and those other days that are all drizzle. This isn't the only task in the life of faith, but it is your task. We will find someone else to do the other important and essential tasks. This is yours, word and sacrament. One more thing. We are going to ordain you to this ministry, and we want your vow that you will stick to it. This is not a temporary job assignment, but a way of life that we need lived out in our community. We know that you are launched <clears throat> excuse me, on the same difficult belief venture in the same dangerous world as we are. We know that your emu- emotions are as fickle as ours and that your mind can play the same tricks is on you as ours. That is why we are going to ordain you and why we are going to exact a vow from you. We know that there are going to be days and months, maybe even years, when we won't feel like we are believing anything and won't want to hear it from you. And we know that there will be days and weeks and maybe even years when you won't feel like saying it. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Do it. You are ordained to this ministry, vowed to it. There may be times when we come to you as a committee or a delegation and demand that you tell us something else than what we are telling you now. Promise right now that you won't give in to what we demand of you. You are not the minister of our changing desires or our time-conditioned understanding of our needs or our secularized hopes for something better. Mm. With these vows of ordination, we are lashing you fast to the mast of word and sacrament so that you will be be unable to respond to the siren voices. There are a lot of other things to be done in this wrecked world, and we are going to be doing at least some of them. But if we don't know the basic terms with which we are working, the foundational realities with which we are dealing, God, kingdom, and gospel, we are going to end up living futile fantasy lives. Your task is to keep telling the basic story, representing the presence of the Spirit, insisting on the priority of God, speaking the biblical words of command and promise and invitation. And then he concludes this with, that or something very much like that is what I understand the church to say to the people whom it ordains to be its pastors. Dang. That's a load. That's a load. And there's a lot in there. Yeah. And for me, what I've taken away out of that is, number one, what a congregation is. Yeah. And a congregation, and we've, I've, we started using this language as a staff, is a group of believers who believe all of those things that we believe about Christ, about the coming together, about the resurrection, about unity, about the hope and the blessings that we have, who are living that out in the communities in which we inhabit. Yeah. And then from that also is what it is to be a pastor, that we are ministers of word and sacrament, that we are going to, our 
call is to continue not only living out all of these things that we believe, uh, but that we are committed to the, God's word, to the Bible, to preaching that word. Yeah. Uh, and that we're, that we have a unique role to administer the sacraments yeah. of, of, of communion, of baptism, uh, that we're going to marry people and that we're going to perform funerals. Yeah. And those are some of the key that we're going to be caring for people, that we're going to meet with them, that we're going to be hospitable and that, that we are called to be in that place over time, yeah, over a period of time, uh, not just fly in for a year or two and then fly out, yeah. but to be able to say, no, I'm going to be part of this community until, until God moves me elsewhere and not just based on my fleeting desires. So, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that passage has been really powerful. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I'm just a hopeless romantic, but, uh, that helped that, that for me, for me was foundational. Uh, the, the, uh, imperfect pastor by Zach S one was yeah. a very, very profound book for me. That's helped me. Um, you've recommended one to me that was written in the 1600s, yeah. uh, by Richard Baxter. Uh, and it's called the reformed pastor. And I'm about halfway through that. And it is, yeah. you better buckle up cause he doesn't mince words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, you know, probably should bring this to a close here pretty soon. But Seth, for you, people in your life, mentors, uh, living yeah. or dead, yeah, that you admire their pastoral call and how they've lived that out that you look to. Any, anybody come to mind? So, man, I'm still just uh, reeling from that Eugene Peterson uh, because there's so much good in there. And for me... Um, you know, uh, there's been a load, uh, of, of folks. I've been very, uh, I'm very thankful for the folks that have stepped in. And for me, I, I can struggle with words on a page. I, I, I do like retention. Um, community has been huge for me. Um, you know, Eugene Peterson's been awesome. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, another book of his, The Contemplative Pastor. I would rather do. I don't want to think. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. that importance of of slowing, of of monitoring. Um, he's uh, written wise, certainly one of them. Um, that Baxter book you recalled to. Um, you know, th- there's just some great encouragement there. Um, you know. Uh, of course I would draw a blank. Um, you know, unfortunately for me, um, I, you mentioned this earlier, you know, Mark Driscoll broke my heart. Um, but was a huge, um, he made it, he made it safe to blend, um, not being to turn the other cheek, uh, the meek and mild always. Um, but being okay with being an authentic me, Mm -hmm. you know, um, got to do it healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's certainly what I think I've learned from him. But then when I bring that into the context of relationship, which has been huge for me, um, Tom Posma, a guy that, um, is about to retire as a Sergeant, uh, detective in the Mason County. It's taught me a ton about how to pastor well, uh, because he's shown me as, um, as an elder, um, of what it meant to, 
say, yeah, I know you're not perfect, Seth, uh, but I've got your six. Um, and teaching me what it means to be okay with entrusting my backside to somebody, knowing that uh, my backside's pretty messy right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, Rick Van Heitzma, um, mentioned him earlier. Um, and I only had a year and a half with Rick, but someone that taught me um, just the gentleness about shepherding um, was incredible. Um, <laughs> golly, it, 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 you know, I've got, this is a weird thing, but I've got a tattoo on my arm. And inside of the bricks of uh, the lighthouse are men that have impacted me. Uh, I think that's probably the accurate way to say this. Yeah. Of You talk about uh, shepherds and role models, uh, mentors for me. Um, that list is long. Um, but, uh, um, you know, guys like Matt Bronson um, is just a dear friend of mine, but has taught me how... Um, to seek out safe places and that's okay um to seek out safe people and that's okay um uh golly um that's that's actually really cool like that idea of uh being able to have that remembrance of yeah these are guys that have helped shape me. These are the Pauls to my Timothy. Absolutely. And that's what you know Paul was to Timothy. He was that guy who's like he brought him under his wing writing letters of encouragement, man, here's where I need you to steer clear. Like yeah. th- these are important things for you to hold on to. Uh, yeah. And I think it's in chapter two, like he starts right off with like, make sure you're praying for your congregation. Yeah. Um, make sure that you are a man of prayer and having those people in our mind that, that can look at us and gently and, 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 but with uh, a certain level of uh, authority in our lives, mm-hmm. be able to know you're, <laughs> You're getting spun out on this thing. You need to. It's going to be helpful for you to focus on these key things here. Yeah. There's as as Eugene wrote in there. There's a lot of work that's going to be done by the congregation. They're going to be out there doing this, but we, you you need to be this fixed post. You're going to. And we need you to be lashed to the mast. And this is where I see you trying to untie the <laughs> untie the ropes because yeah. there's sirens that are calling to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, we we all need to have that, and that's where we find accountability. Yeah. And if you're a pastor and you don't have accountability, you're in a dangerous. You are place. in a dangerous, dangerous place. So yeah. we we all need to have that. It's our responsibility to seek that out, to find that, uh, and don't get frustrated when when that's a challenge. Yeah, um, yeah, man. So you know, being a man of prayer, um, you know, administering those sacraments to people because there's there's nowhere else that they can go for those things, and they are important. And this is a noble task. This is part of this, the building up of spiritual lives of people. You know, there's the stewardship of, of resources that God provides. We have to yeah. do a good job of that. Um, the preaching of the word, obviously, that we need to be able to be teachers, maintaining our theological soundness. Um, one of the key aspects that, you know, that for me, you know, and I'll land on this and then we can get into all our sponsors that we want to try to get free stuff from. <laughs> no, uh, but some of the old guys have been in ministry for a long time. Something I've heard them say is the older I get, I thought this would get easier, Mm. but it hasn't. And actually the older I get, the more I realize tremendously as a pastor, how much I need God's mercy and how much I need that cross of Christ. 
how much I, this is not about my performance and that humility, that need for grace. Like that's really at the essence of it is probably as we go becoming more sanctified Yeah, is, is learning our, that we are no different than any other person. And I need God's grace and mercy every bit as much as anybody that calls my congregation home. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah. We, and I know we didn't hit on everything. Again, this could yeah. be a, they, they make college courses on this. Right. I thought it'd be fun this, today just to talk a little bit about our experiences, things that we've been learning along as we go. Yeah. Um, and one yeah. of those things I've been learning on as I go is it's important to get out to the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we got one of those trips coming up. So, yeah, we do. Uh, and, and, you know, you and I did that uh, a couple of years ago. You yeah. took me out my first uh, do it yourself elk hunt. Yeah. Out in Colorado, we went out there, uh, a couple flatlanders. They're used to lots of oxygen in the air, climbing yeah. up to 10,000 feet. Yeah. And and I remember sitting there going, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to make this. What did I do? <laughs> yeah. What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Uh, it became very quickly aware that there wasn't a lot of oxygen in the air out there and what that feels like. But yeah. uh, we got that coming up again, and yeah. I'm looking forward to doing that to you because one that for me, uh, as much fun as that was and as much fun as we had and all the challenges we had to overcome. Yeah. And, uh, that was still, uh, there was a time on that mountain where I got to spend some time with God and mm-hmm. really pour my heart out. Yeah. And, uh, and it was good. And I'm like, I'm hoping that we have something like that again. Only yeah. this time we're going in the cold. Our goal yeah. is to not freeze to right. death. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, making it back priority one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always priority one. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so with that, you know, like John and Britton always get to throw out who they like as far yeah. as sponsors, you know, yeah. always sponsored by the Fisher family and Dublin General Store. Right. We love them. But uh, uh, something that you and I, uh, you know, an organization that we've stumbled on uh, is Mountain Tough yeah. uh, for training for going out, you know, and if you're somebody who's who follows Christ and you like working out, uh, I'd highly recommend checking out the guys at Mountain Tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, a dude that like, cause they have like, they've brought a holistic approach, um, to working out. Um, and the more, I think you and I have talked about it, the more transparent it becomes like, uh, the main guy of mountain tough, he's a pastor. Yeah. And so I Era just, yeah, I, think I, I, I wasn't even, right <laughs> even going to attempt it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, swag would be awful. Awfully awesome. Uh, oh yeah, we take yeah yeah so, we we take t-shirts. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been a cool workout program, getting us ready for that, maintaining our physical fitness to the best of our yeah <laughs> the best of our motivation and time that we have available. But yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, this podcast will be unofficially sponsored by Mountain Tough. Uh, go hunt, go hunt dot com. <laughs> uh, a lot of good stuff on there. If you yep. like uh, going out west, all things. Uh, west of the Mississippi for hunting, yeah. a lot of good resources on there. You and I both dig into that a lot. Probably nerd out on that more than we should, but Probably. it's a good place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey Jacobson's Elk yeah. 101. Yeah. I've, man, I've been learning a lot about that. So yeah. uh, I guess just on that note, as a pastor, it's okay to still have a hobby it's or two or three. Recommended. Highly recommended. Yeah. <laughs> and if you yeah. got somebody that's also a pastor that is a friend that you get to go out and do that stuff with, it just makes it all the better. Yep. Uh, right on. Right on. Go out, have a little Bible study on the side of the mountain, and wait for the elk to come by. Yep. All right. I like man. it. Sounds good. Benji, any last words for us before we get out of here today? Uh, no. All right. 
Sweet. Sweet. Hey, Let's thanks for it. the invite. Yeah, man, this has been good. Uh, so, Tab family, as always, you can like, subscribe, do all the things that make the algorithms work better. Uh, get a hold of us at, uh, gosh, it's the written tab on that com. Yeah, there's a, what's written on there? Is it, oh, yeah, tab podcast at the tab com. And uh, you can email your questions, your concerns, warranty claims, deed appraisals, and all other things to that. Britton, John, uh, we're looking to get some questions together, uh, be able to do a Q&A podcast coming up. Um, but, yeah, and with that, Tab family, thank you for checking us out. Benji's going to roll us on out of here. Uh, this is Ben, Seth, and Benjamin Vermilia signing off. <laughs>